Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I am really excited about this broadcast for a couple of reasons. It continues with, you know, mental health, right? And it continues with trying to give information not only to our global employees, but to the world and our customers everywhere. And I could not think of a better guest to bring on, right? So we have the Partnership to End Addiction. What an amazing organization. So think about this. I want to read this. Partnership to End Addiction is a leading organization dedicated to the addiction, prevention, treatment, and recovery. It provides free confidential support to families looking for answers for themselves or their children. And it's so much more. And with me today is Fred Munch. Um, he is a clinical psychologist um, who specializes in developing remote coaching and digital intervention to help individuals and families prevent and intervene in the problem of substance abuse. Um, Fred was formerly the president and CEO of the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids, um, and I love that. Um, let's bring Fred in, and I'm going to jump right in. Fred, first, thank you for taking time away from your really important gig and spending some time with us and our audience. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for making this a priority, because not everybody's doing it. So uh, talking about addiction, talking about mental health, we have to keep it salient. And um, organizations like yours that are doing it uh, are the first step in, in people seeking help and, get, and getting care, the care they need. If we're not going to care about our employees, our customers, our friends, our family, then what's the use of it? You know, I always sit there and go, um, I go to bed every night worrying, did I do right by our 1,400 employees? And doing right isn't always just... Did we make money today? Are we growing? You know, how's our technology? It's also, how are they doing? Um, mm -hmm. and someone once taught me the word, you know, you take care of your employees, they will take care of your customers, and the rest is going to be success. So jumping right into it, Fred, tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself and about partnership to end addiction. But will you add in there? So obviously, when you went to school to be a psychologist, I'm, I'm going to guess you didn't go, this is the area I was going to focus in. Where was that pivot or that moment where you said, this is where I want to dedicate my career? Sure. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll start with a partnership, you know, in terms of who we are. It was a great, great intro. And, you know, we're, we're an organization that has uh, uh, the, the family as the center of the bullseye here. But we focus in a number of areas to change the conversation around addiction, both within families and with individuals. And we do it with really four pillars. One is where we try to change policy. So there's very macro level of we want to change parity laws so people can get the same treatment for mental health and addiction as they can for medical conditions. Um, that's just one example of our policy work. We focus on advocacy with family members who've been through it and making sure they're advocating for parity, for example. We also do technical assistance to providers and research and innovate in the family space and the digital space. Uh, we also try to change culture. Many of you know the Partnership for Drug-Free America. They, that's one of the legacy organizations here, and we've shifted dramatically from where we were in the 80s, but really focusing on 
how we empower people to stay engaged and start to get engaged. And as you say, know that we can make a difference. We have to be there. We have to do this. And then lastly, our focus is on the family directly. And we have a national helpline. And that national helpline, um, we take phone calls. We have an omni-channel communication. So someone can come in via text message, Facebook messenger, email, phone, whatever it might be. Uh, they can they can get automated intervention. So they simply texting join to five five seven five three. They can fill out an assessment, get personalized feedback, and they get ongoing text messages. And when they're ready, text chat to connect with a specialist. They can connect with a parent coach who's wow. been there. So a parent coach. We have four hundred parent coaches with lived experience. Thirty percent have lost a child and are giving back. So a lot of parents want to speak to someone who's been there. So we have that. And then we have online support groups, e-learning. We want to be that go-to resource for family members. And we do it all for free with the support. And this is what drew me into this world is, hey, wait, we have. I was in the startup world for many years. I was a clinical psychologist. And I'm also in recovery from heroin addiction. So it's personal to me. And I'm also passionate about this work. And the work I was doing as, well, even starting with my own personal story, everything was so episodic. Treatment was episodic. I would go to a treatment center and I'd relapse about two weeks after because I wasn't getting continuing care. Hmm. And what I started to realize was, hey, once I, I got into school is our system is not set up for people to succeed. So how do we engage people in the conversation continuously because it was one in the morning when I was at my weakest. So how do we keep people connected? And I was only able to reach out to a sponsor or someone else in the recovery community, for example. Treatment wasn't there and digital changed all that. So I saw this amazing opportunity with many people and I've been, you were, you were at the forefront of this, really understanding digital health applications and the promise. And so I, I, I think for me, um, my, my, my journey here is both a combination of my personal experience for sure. And my, my, uh, 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 experience with the treatment system and then being trained as a provider say, Hey, this system is not right. How do we change it? What can we do? How can we innovate and make this a different system? And how do we focus on access engagement and ongoing support? Wow. Uh, so I'm going to, I don't want to pry too much into to your life, but the fascinating part to me was you were an addict and then you became, so after you, after you got clean, I guess is how we will we'll phrase it. That's when you decided to go to school to be a psychiatrist, a psychologist. Yeah. So, um, you know, wow. one, one of the things I also want to highlight in terms of what, what we're doing at the partnership is the language around addiction. You know, we're, we're, you know, in terms of clean and certain language, we're shifting to substance use disorder and, and relapse. There's, that's one thing I want to mention is sometimes, like I say it too, the first time I actually started, I would say clean, I would say junkie, I would say all these things about me, um, changing that language. But you're at an ending school, I said it. But yes, I, and in fact, I had a period of recovery for a year. I got into graduate school because I was an outreach worker while I was using. Wow. And I've always been in the service space and um, I, I, I got into graduate school. I relapsed. I had to take time off. And then and then I started my journey uh, and it's been 25 years and I'm so grateful. I, I am I am in love that you um, 
are giving back and that you dedicated your life to it. And um, just makes me feel really good right here. Um, and so from for me, and I could say from our organization, people watching, thank you, because I know you're making you're making a difference. All right. So here's my first question. Addiction addiction is such a challenging disease. How can people support loved ones who are struggling with a substance with a substance abuse or use? Yeah. So 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 thank you. Thank you for asking that question, because I think we focus so much on the individual and not the, the people surrounding that individual. And as people surrounding the individual, often we feel powerless. And in some situations saying, oh, let this person hit rock bottom. That's not how we we empower people, which is we empower people to let go of the outcomes, but you can stay engaged. And the first thing is opening the lines of communication and open those lines of communication. And we say, have a conversation, not a confrontation, really focusing on understanding the why. Why is someone doing this? Someone with addiction, someone with an addiction uh, problem, typically is looking at short-term reward that's incredibly powerful when they can't see consequences. I couldn't see the consequences of my use. I was so overtaken by that short-term drive to use. You see it with food too. Mm -hmm. If you can make the analogy with food, people will drive towards sugar, not thinking of what it is. So what I would say is the first thing is to be proactive and ask people what's going on, why? what are you getting from this and how can I help you? Just asking is very powerful. Now, the problem is, is that it's intractable in many, many ways in the short term, right? People are resistant. People feel so much shame. People don't want help. I got this on my own. I got this. Even when my family reached out, I was like, I can do this. I, I don't want to bother you. I, I don't want to bother anybody. Um, and I couldn't. And I couldn't. So the other thing is to really help them find support that works for them. You know, we do things like meeting matching. So if it's a young person, go to meetings with young people. You know, as a family member, you want to go and get help as well. We provide services. There's other groups that. And one of the things, oh, excuse me. I, I'm sorry. I had a, a bit no, of a don't worry about I apologize. It. Don't worry about one it. One of the things. Okay. One, one of the things that strikes me about some of the, our outcome research right now is we're finding is the more services someone uses of ours, the better they report their children getting. And the more outside services they use, the more they report their children and loved ones getting. So pile it on, get the services. You can make a difference. Oh, I, I love that. That is, that is so spot on. All right. So now jump into the next question. So when it comes to mental health and addiction, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of misinformation out there. Can you like myth bust one or two things to dispel about um, addiction in general? Sure. Um, one I touched on, I think, which is that you have to let go. Yep. You have to let go. You have to, ha someone has to hit rock bottom. Someone has to, rip. that's like saying, you can only start a weight loss program when you're 400 pounds, right? No, you can start when you start to eat a little more sugar, you can start to say to yourself, I'm going to eat a little less. You can start at any moment to facilitate behavior change. There's no such thing as rock bottom. We see it in the research all the time. You don't have to let go and let someone fall. Now, what you do have to let go of is as you're trying is the outcome. 
is the outcome. If you're rewarding positive behavior, if you're letting natural consequences happen, if you're there for the person when they want to go bowling instead of going out to use, that's very powerful. If they use the next day, you have to let go of it. So that's, I think that's the biggest misconception. You know, there, there's many other misconceptions, you know, with regard to sort of the stigma of why people use, you know, this drug users are bad, you know, drugs are good. People Mm -hmm. use them because they make them feel good. The problem is the long-term consequences because of it. So there's not some moral deficiency in someone who's using. What they're doing is they're trying to feel good. I was trying to feel okay using heroin. I was self-medicating. I was trying to feel, I didn't know how to deal with shifting those short-term impulses for long-term gain. I didn't know how to self-regulate. And so shifting from a moral failing, from a criminal justice issue to a health issue will help us all move forward. That, that is great. All right, so I'm now gonna segue a little bit to this. We're just coming out of a pandemic. Thank God, right? Um, that has done disastrous for people's mental health. Um, but as someone like yourself in, in recovery, right, um, and an expert in the area, how did the circumstances of the pandemic impact people with addiction? Or can you, if you, you know, can you shed a little light on it? Was it was yeah. it okay because we were stuck in, or made it worse? Did it? I, what what was going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think it really depends on the population we're talking about. You know, people with addiction, it it was a problem. People in early, people actively using, people in early recovery, what we saw was isolation. And we know that recovery requires connection. We know that it requires the opportunity to be accountable to other people. Right. And and you even, there was skyrocketing alcohol sales. There was increased cannabis use. There was massive increases in overdose and it's a result of isolation so people who were using for example or even people who started drinking they didn't have to go to work the next day so they didn't have to wake up early they didn't have to uh, get dressed you know the same way they didn't have to jump in the shower so it was easier to fall back into those old routines and they were alone whereas for young people the data is really clear fewer people engaged in early substance use significantly we've never seen decreases in initiation like this ever ever and so what we know is now how powerful the peer group is how powerful neighborhood is how powerful parties are in that initiation that is what is driving use so we really saw that shift are you seeing now that we're coming out of it a shift back is it rising again So we don't know the answer to that um, in terms of we're expecting initiation to rise back up. Um, We don't think it will go back to pre-pandemic levels, but we do think it will rise. Um, And for those who are struggling, um, we see, you know, uh, you know, we, 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 the overdose crisis is the worst it's ever been. It's a combination of isolation and fentanyl. Um, yep. where, where every 10 days there's a 9-11. And um, so the pandemic is, was, was, you know, it, it really created a perfect storm yep. for mental health and addiction problems to explode. 
Um, you know, but it also created opportunities for intervention. I mean, and then I, I also have this kind of theory is while you were in the pandemic and like you said, the numbers went down, right? Part of it because they're around their family, could be because they're around family. A million reasons could happen. Um, but a lot of people who were going through mental health um, during the pandemic were going to themselves. I'm going through this because I'm in a pandemic and I'm in lockdown. And now that we're going back in the world, they don't feel any better about themselves that they're out there. And there's more opportunities that it's not like they thought the moment I got back into the real world, it would be great again. And they're realizing it's not perfect out there. Right. So I, I just, I yeah. feel bad because what are people going to do when they actually really predicted it? I was going to feel better now. I can't wait to get out in the world again. So, so it's I got a question. to get moving when you're stuck. It is, it is hard to get moving when you're stuck. So I got a, I got a question for you. You're, you know, you're, you have kids of your own now, right? So with your, yeah. everything you've been through and, and basically your day job, how do you talk to your kids about addiction and mental health and everything else? The, the first thing I do is we, we have those conversations all the time. We, we interject it into anything when we're watching a movie, when we're at the dinner table. And it's not like it's, it's all the time that, that, that we're bombarding them with questions or we're not asking them, but we, we observe the world. So we make it a mental health addiction a part of the conversation. They know my history. Right. Um, so, so they're aware of their genetic predisposition. But when we talk about, and so I have a 16 year old and a 19 year old, so they're in the middle of it. And is your 19 year old shift the conversation from consequence? Is your 19 year old? He's in college. Yeah. Okay. Freshman? Yes. He's in college. Yeah. Yeah. It's a freshman. Yeah. So he's really was in the middle of it this year. And so we talk about a few things. The first one is that it's natural to be curious and want to use. This is not bad. We don't, we don't talk about good, bad. We talk about, why people are using and we shift the conversation to a delay 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 we talk about brain development and we talk about not only what it's doing to their brains but being empowered in situation when you're really craving to do something i know when they go to a party they want to drink particularly the when the older one was a you know a senior and all that i i know that we talk about it. it's totally natural to want to do this and then we build on that to talk about empowerment and resilience what does it mean to be so badass to not drink when everyone's drinking around you can you can you think about that in terms of empowerment understand look and then you know, it came to the point where, okay, hold a keg cup with a non-alcoholic beer. I would buy them non-alcoholic beers, right? That, that's fine. You can drink. You want it. It feels odd because people are coming. Oh, come on, come on. That's okay. I don't want them not to socialize. There's a place where people go and drink in the neighborhood and stuff. I'm not going to say, you can't go there. I want to empower them in certain situations. Now, if my kids had different temperament and they were sensation seekers, I would have a different approach to them. They're not really sensation seekers. So you really yeah. have to work with the temperament of your child. But highlighting a, 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 pro, a proactive, resilient 
a, a, a pathway rather than a consequence pathway is really key. Delaying is really key. And then just being open to that conversation. There's no consequences. This is, this is not a good, bad. This is not moral. There's no consequences. There's consequences to drinking and driving. There's consequences, you know, obviously there's no pills. There's no powders. Fentanyl's killing everyone. You know, we have those conversations. But, but really focusing on how can you be the best person you can be. I, I, those are great words. Um, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm like soaking that in and I'm going, wow, I, that's, I love that. Um, I'm asking everyone this question as well. Um, what are you doing to take care of your own mental health? Yeah, so I, um, I, I go back and forth. I've had, um, like many people, um, some dark times during the pandemic. Um, and I was, I was, um, you know, uh, you know, trying to take care of myself and, and like many really fell, fell, fell into a, a bit of darkness, but, but the key for me to get out of that, um, is a connection with my partner my wife, um, is meditating. Um, I, I, I wake up, I meditate, I take a freezing cold shower. I, I need something physical to get me out of it. I need disruption. I seek sensation. It stole sensation from me, the pandemic. So I really yep. seek that disruption. I look at things that are going to disrupt my body. And I focus so much on my body's reaction and embodiment to understand how it impacts my brain and the reverse. I think they're both equally important. And so the, the combination of the meditation, disruption, and exercise uh, are, are the things that keep me sane. And then I surround myself with other people. I, I go out of the way and will sit across the street during the pandemic with my neighbors. We were sitting across the street, get out, because the times I didn't do it, it was dark. And I feel for those who don't have a strong social network. Um, and for those who don't, get out. Feel that uncomfortability. Get out. Go to a meetup. Do something. I love. I mean, listen. Uh, you and I exactly the same. The only difference is I, I substitute meditation with yoga. Um, but exercise is the one thing that constantly and being outside and talking to people and engaging. All right. Two more questions for you. One is, how can people watching, listening, um, get involved with the organization? So the first thing is if you're, you're a family member and you want to help prevent, intervene, recover, whatever you want to do, the easiest way is to text join or connect to 55753. Just text it, join to 55753. That will get you to fill out an assessment. You get personalized feedback and engage. Um, that will get you connected to a helpline specialist. Our website is drugfree.org. Go to the website, take a look see how you can uh, uh, help your loved one, be empowered to help. The second is we have volunteers. I mentioned we have 400 parent coaches. People can volunteer with us. Uh, they can just go to our advocate and volunteer page. But importantly, it's not just us. You know, one of the things we promote is partner and prosper, which is your community needs you. And whether, whether it's us or a local organization in your community to volunteer 
whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whatever it is, get out there and engage with the community. And most importantly, and this is a little bit of, uh, you know, sort of maybe the next step is engage with your loved ones who are struggling. We empower, help empower people who are struggling, uh, who have loved ones struggling. The opportunity, I, I, I've said this before, but the only time I regret reaching out to somebody that I think might be struggling is never. The right. only times I regret it is when I haven't done it. The only time. And people have told me to F off right. when I've reached out. They've taken offense to it and it's okay. And it's okay. And that's what you can do. That's how you're going to make the impact in this world. And I agree a hundred percent. One of the things during all the pandemic, I was sort of talking to my friends and my coworkers and our entire organization is pick up the phone, call one of your colleagues, call a friend. You have no idea what they're going through just so they can hear your voice. And if you think someone's going through something, reach out. Um, so that, I think that's incredible. All right, Fred, what's your favorite word? Ah, <laughs> well, right now it's empowerment, but, uh, it, it, it'll vary. It'll vary. I just got, you know, yeah. Empower, but, uh, uh yeah, it, it cer certainly <laughs> varies dependent on my mood. Right. But, I, but that's a perfect word empower, right? We all have the ability to empower others. We all can empower ourselves. Um, Fred, this was like the time flew. This was such a great conversation. I wish I could do this for another hour. The organization's amazing. Your story's incredible. I love that you've dedicated your life to this and that you're making a difference. Um, it's been an honor to have you on the program. Have a great, great day. Well, thank you so much, Ben. And um, I'm, I'm grateful I have the opportunity to do it. And um, both both in terms of helping others, but in terms of being here with you all. So thank you, you so you much. Were, you were, all, you were awesome, my friend. Awesome. Um, stay safe. Hey, Fred, where do you live? Where are you in the, in the world? Yeah. I'm in a town called uh, Hastings-on-Hudson, okay. which is uh, in New York. So it's in Westchester, yep. New York. Yeah. How about yourself? I'm in Manhattan. So where are you, Ben? In New York City. Oh, you're in Manhattan. Yeah, great. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get to see you yeah, in yeah. person. Um, if you you or your organization ever need anything, please reach out to us. Becca will make sure you get